tall and she grew up right with the Indiana boys on an Indiana night. The Keeping the Nostalgia Alive show is proudly brought to you by the Hoosier Basketball Academy. Want to improve your game and be an elite athlete? Hoosier Basketball Academy, located in the heart of Hoosier Hysteria, provides an excellent opportunity for student athletes to improve their basketball skills. Their goal at Hoosier Basketball Academy is to provide an opportunity for young athletes to reach their full potential and allow them to compete at the highest level. Using their training model, they believe a solid foundation of fundamentals and muscle memory training is critical for the development of elite basketball players. This can only be achieved if you are mentally tough, have a strong work ethic, and are willing to sacrifice countless hours needed to be the best you can be. The Hoosier Basketball Academy offers high-intensity basketball training focusing on small groups and individual attention needed to improve your game, as well as specialized training and drills done at game speed to push you to your limits and improve overall physical conditioning. One of HBA's goals is to improve the skills and abilities of each player trained by focusing on ball handling, proper shooting mechanics, speed, agility, and footwork allowing you to take your game to the next level. This training is for players that are serious about improving their skills. Hard work pays off and gives you the competitive edge in practice that carries over to games against your biggest rivals. In addition to offering training, HBA fields highly competitive travel teams with many teams qualifying for nationals each year. Visit HBAElite.com for more info. Be elite and train to be the best. You're listening to Indiana Talks, Indiana's first all-online news and sports talk radio station. Success is defined in many ways. For someone with a disability, success can mean walking without assistance or hearing sound for the very first time. At Easter Seals Crossroads, we help Hoosiers with special needs reach goals that most of us take for granted. Visit CrossroadsCan.org to learn more about how you can help. Nostalgia Alive, Indiana Basketball Memories on IndianaTalks.com. This is my debut show on IndianaTalks.com. I'm your host, Billy Powell. This show is brought to you by Dr. Eric Jones Medical Practice in Pendleton, Indiana. With that, and a very uh, a big thank you to Dr. Jones for that. With that being said, let me give you a, a little summary of what I know about basketball and uh, what you guys can expect every Sunday. And I was born and raised in Indianapolis uh, for my first 25 years of my life. Uh, I lived in Hallville for a little while, and that's around the Washington High School area. And, of course, a bunch of players around the Washington High School area went on to other high schools and uh, became standouts. But I just got my first glimpse of basketball with John Sherman Williams and the Washington Continentals. And it just got me hooked. And then we moved to the Broderpool area. I went on to Broderpool High School. My freshman year at uh, Broderpool High School, I sat on the bench when Steve Alford decided to score 57 points on us in the 1983 semi-state, and he went 25 for 25 for the line. And I still recall to this day the huge 12,500 people that were inside Hinkle Fieldhouse 
And I just have a passion for basketball. Of course, my 1986 team at Broadway High School, we went undefeated before we were beaten by Warren Central and Jeff George in the regional finals. But I just, I, I just have a passion with basketball. I've, I started my own website, which is called IndianaBasketballMemories.com. And it's Facebook page, which is Indiana Basketball Memories website. And I've got a fantastic following, almost 4,000 people. And uh, I just now, this is going to be my debut show. So there's going to be a lot of uhs and ands and uh and then ands and some silence probably. But bear with me and we'll get through this and I'll become better with each show that we do. And what you can kind of expect for the upcoming shows is just, is what I like to do is, you know, be it high school, college, or professional basketball, basketball is king in Indiana. And I just like to keep the nostalgia alive because, you know, it, it goes to the wayside and, and the memories are there and we can build on the memories of basketball. And, you know, basketball may have been invented in Massachusetts, but it was perfected in the state of Indiana. With that being said, with upcoming shows, there'll be like round tables with like former players from, let's say, Indiana State University, who most of them played their high school basketball in the state of Indiana and also then played at Indiana State University. So they can tell us about their memories in high school and then they can tell us about their memories while playing. Like I said, for example, at the University, Indiana State University or the University of Indianapolis or, uh, hey, we may even get uh, Notre Dame, Indiana and Purdue on here as well. My first show is going to be on the career of Coach Marty Eichelbarger. And I'm, I'm doing this first show for him because Coach Eichelbarger gave me my first opportunity and my first chance uh, at the first interview and just when I was starting my website and starting the fan page for my website. And um, he left an indelible impression on me when I was at Broderpool High School. And I say, when I look down from sitting on the bench, and I say sitting on the bench because uh, uh, I never played, but uh, when I say look down from the bench, I could just remember him just stamping and stomping his feet and getting so red in the face that it just, you know, it just left an impression on me. And then, you know, I've met throughout my career, I've met uh, people that have played for him. And uh, luckily enough, I got a hold of his kids and they were lucky enough to tell me that uh, he would be glad to do an interview. So that's why I'm doing this on uh, Coach Eichelbarger's career. And with that being said, I also have a guest with me. So Coach Marty, Marty Eichelbarger is with me tonight. And I also have a guest with me also is a, a member of the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame and a 1963 Mr. Indiana Basketball. And that is Rick Jones. And he's going to be in here in just a few minutes at the tail end of once I get Coach Eichelbarger to begin telling us about his career. And I thank both of you guys ahead of time for being with me on tonight's show. So, Coach Eigelbarger, you with us? I'm sure here, Billy. Fantastic. Really I'm glad, glad you called in. Very nice. Very nice. Well, why, why don't we go ahead and get started, Coach? Why don't you uh, start us out with growing up in Muncie, Indiana in the early 60s and kind of take me through that uh, the sixties and getting up to that 1963 year where, um, uh, Mr. Basketball Rick Jones will join us also, but give us a, an idea of what it was like growing up early in the 1960s Muncie and how, how you got into basketball and kind of give us a, a rundown on the Muncie central years. Well, thanks Bill. And I, I sure will. First, I want to tell you that I want to dedicate this to my wife, uh, Jackie, who passed away uh, four years ago, and, you know, she was my wife, my wonderful mother of three wonderful boys, a teacher, a coach, a great athlete, and a wonderful supporter and absolutely my best friend. And, and without Jackie, none of this would have happened, and, and she was a great fan of all our teams and all our kids, and, and uh, you know, I feel so uh, fortunate to have a, such a supportive person that allowed me to, you know, pursue these interests. But I grew up in Muncie, Indiana, in a, in a very tough time. Uh, civil rights was a big thing. Uh, Muncie was a town of 80,000, an industrial uh, town. Uh, Ball State University was there. It was Ball State Teachers College in a very small school. Uh, but we were called Middletown, Indiana, and literally the book is written, Middletown, Indiana. And, you know, we had all the problems that Detroit would have or Chicago would have or anything else. And it wasn't easy growing up back then and, and finding yourself. 
uh, I was very fortunate. Uh, I grew up downtown in a, in a three-story apartment building. I still remember, uh, unfortunately, I'm bringing the big blocks of ice up. You know, I remember we bought food after the war in, in uh, boxes, and I remember we sat around on the living room floor and listened to all the great high school basketball games on the radio, and that's you know, just a different day and age. But I did grow up in a downtown apartment building, and that's where I played. And until I was about seven or eight years old, I was never out really socially about, didn't know that basketball even existed uh, until my parents moved into a neighborhood. And uh, at the same time, about that time that happened, seven, eight, and nine, I began to, to learn by listening to the radio that there was something in town called the Muncie Bearcats, and there was basketball every Friday and Saturday night. And absolutely, my parents were glued to the radio, and I became glued. But, but you just can't get a feeling, you know, for that. Well, you know, I wanted to go to a basketball game. Impossible on Muncie, 7,900 seats, all of them sold out. So when I finally got to be about 10 or 11, uh, I told my that place packed, you couldn't even see the aisles, and, and watched a live basketball game for the first time in my life, I was hooked. And now both my parents were musicians, so I knew a lot about a piano and a violin and a clarinet, and then marched with Susan in Chicago Field, and Mom went to Cincinnati Conservatory of Music. So I knew a lot about music, but not the first thing about basketball, and I was already 10 or 11. You know? So th this was tough. But I started playing in alleys on you know, garage schools and one thing and the other, and I got cut in the fifth grade, and I got cut in the sixth grade, and I got cut from basketball in seventh grade. So I'd be outdoors in the winter, and I'd be working and working like mad, but, you know, he didn't have a lot of guidance back then. There weren't basketball camps or things. I just remember what I saw at the high school basketball game and work on it, and my shirt, T-shirt would freeze. The sweat would freeze, and I'd work. And uh, so finally in the eighth grade at McKinley Junior High School, which was at the Muncie Fieldhouse, I made a team. And I was the happiest human being in the world. And I would sneak in in the morning to see the cut list, it was pretty easy to spot my name because it was so big, and it hadn't been on so many of them. When I finally saw one of my name was on, I was so happy. I, I thought, oh, I just can't even convey how happy I was. But that started my career. And at the same time, to tell you how tough it was, Bill, and I just want people to understand. So, I, I, you know, we were a, a town racially, you know, we had, you know, Afro-Americans, we were all loving the same things, but it was tough then. There was a lot of pressure. And I remember I was going to lunch one day, and I looked outside the Muncie Fieldhouse, and, and there was a, a bunch of kids playing basketball. And, God, I just loved it. And I went over, and I stood there, and I watched. I man, I don't want to play, but I know I'm not good enough. And there were 12 or 13 Afro-American boys there playing. I'm just having a ball. I'm just playing hard, and I wanted to play. And all of a sudden, one of them turned her ankle. And another boy turned and picked me. He said, you know, I come on in here and play. And I did, and my God, I thought I was in heaven, Bill. And I, and I began to do that at, at lunchtime, to, to get, get in there and play. And I knew I was going to get better because these kids were so good. And I loved it. But I, I did have one obstacle. And when, you know, we walked home in those days. And when I walked toward the old High Street Bridge, when you got to the High Street Bridge, you had to go under a tunnel and get it come up on the other side to walk home. And as I was walking toward that the next day, you know, I see this boy standing down there, and it was an Afro-American boy, and I knew the boy, it was Freddie Douglas, and when I got to, to Freddie, you know, there was a confrontation. And at first, I couldn't understand it. And then I went home, did a lot of thinking about it, and I, I understood it completely. And, you know, when, when I was standing there, this boy asked me to play and didn't ask one of the other two boys. And, you know, that was their love, too, and my love, and... My God, I was displacing them on that court and, you know, didn't didn't think about anything bad. But that's the way it was back then. People couldn't explain everything that was going on. And talked to my dad, and he, he said, uh, after we talked at length, he said, son, I don't think there's anything I can do to help you on this. You know, he said, you love what you love, and, and I don't know how to work it out. This is not a principal's job or, or anything else. We can't go out there, you know. And so finally we had to get together, Freddie Douglas and I, and, and it wasn't real pleasant, but we finally understood each other that, look, I love to play too, Fred, and you love to play, and, you know, there's not going to be any hard feelings and everything. And, and you know, we got back together, and, and I got to play, and I got to start doing what I loved. And, and it was just a passion all of my life. And I met so many wonderful people and was led by so many great educators and coaches 
that it was just natural to go into to coaching the game and, and wanting to provide programs for, for other kids uh, that were as meaningful as what basketball was to my life. And uh, so anyway, that's where I got my start in my team. It wasn't easy. Uh, when we got to high school, we were, I was one of the players on a, a, a one of five middle schools. And of course, I got down to 12 the next year. That was tough. We had some wonderful players. Uh, Rick Jones came into to, uh, with me at uh, Store Junior High School as a freshman. He was from out of town. And what a great athlete. And we all just climbed the ropes together, went through the tough things, and uh, went through some real tough times in high school and stuck together in, uh, you know, the Muncie Central State Championship in 1963 was a, a bunch of kids that were really driven. We had fantastic coaches, uh, you know, I just thought the program was, was wonderful, so objective, no politics, no nothing. But I only hope that I could create those kind of things for kids someday. So I feel, I feel I'm so lucky to have done what I did, and I have so many people that you know, I'm responsible, that are responsible for it. And I'm so glad to get a chance to share tonight with you, you know, Billy, with this uh, program. That's awesome. Uh, Rick, would you like to uh, chime in a little bit about uh, your time uh, with uh, Coach Eichelbarker at um, Muncie Central and uh, about that magical year of the 29-1-1963 state champions? I would, and hello, Marty. Hello, Rick. How you doing? Oh, well, uh, you know, about half trying to get better. Uh, That's right. That's right. We, uh, what Marty talked about there when uh, – we went to the ninth grade, and I moved into town that year. And uh, what the athletic program was composed of at store was it was a brand new junior high that year. Uh, you weren't didn't go to high school until your sophomore year. The ninth grade classes were still out in the middle school, and uh, stores uh, program was consisted of uh, what wouldn't they they would go out there and attend that program and play have a chance to play out there because uh, they probably wouldn't have made uh, the McKinley teams or the other uh, established schools and uh, we ended up tying for second in the, in the city tournament and which uh, knocked everybody out but uh, Marty kind of sells itself short because it uh, takes a special kind of person uh, to be a coach, be a successful coach anyway. And uh, although I have never seen him coach a game, I know him well enough to know that uh, we were blessed with having good coaches ourselves. But the NCC or uh, was uh, composed of Richmond and uh, Bumgarner. Coach Bumgarner was there. He's a Hall of Famer. Uh, we had uh, uh, Marion, which was Bill Green. He's a Hall of Famer. We had Ray Estes at Anderson. He's a Hall of Famer. And uh, all three of our coaches there at Central, uh, Longfellow and Heater and Tallman, they're all Hall of Famers. So what what is behind that is Marty was a pretty bright kid. He wouldn't tell you that himself, but uh, he uh, I'm not surprised that he was a successful coach because he was the type that uh, he was easy to to coach uh, because uh, those coaches I mentioned to you, what made them good Especially Marion Crawley at, uh, at Lafayette, that was so successful. Was that you can relate to the kids? You not only know X and O's, but uh, you got the kind of personality that you can uh, relate to the kids. You know all the X and O's, but if you can't get through the kids uh, and spread your knowledge, and you don't only put them in the right place, but you got to want them to be there, and uh, that's where I know. Marty has been so good. You know, you just don't win 400 uh, games in the state of Indiana before uh, the uh, class system breaks in without being a special individual. 
and uh, that's what Marty uh, is to me. I I knew with spending four years with him, uh, we used to have uh, uh, horse uh, contests, shooting contests before and after uh, practice, and so uh, my granddad always told me that whatever you're told to do, do a little extra because you can bet that there's somebody out there that is doing it, and that's the guy you don't want to run into. So that kind of stuck in my mind, and whenever we had time, we'd uh, have some uh, horse games, shooting games, and I'll tell you right now, I won my share, but he cheats. <laughs> whenever, whenever, oh. I'd get, whenever I'd get close to winning one, he'd pull out the left hand. He knew I couldn't shoot with my left hand. So oh, I wrote Eskew I wrote I just I didn't try to get the left hand band, but I he didn't like my decision, so I didn't get very far. But uh, uh, getting Marty in the Hall of Fame for his uh, his coaching ability, uh, it's just well rewarded. Uh, he is that special kind of. Uh, individual. I bet you if you talk to any of his kids anywhere, you uh, you said you saw him once and was uh, uh, ranting and raving and stomping on the on the uh, on the side of the court. But uh, uh, every coach, every player he ever coached, I'm sure uh, loved him because of just the person he is. And when you have those two elements, and knowing the game and being able to relate to the kids that you're uh, are coaching. Well, that's, that's what makes you a great coach. And, uh, I believe that's what Marty is. Well, thank you, Rick. My God, but I've made some awful big mistakes along the way. And I think the one was when I decided that we weren't going to play that standing horse game and I made the horrible <laughs> mistake of challenging, challenging a one-on-one game. And well, I found out know, real quick there's, there's another level. <laughs> you know, well, you know, uh, that team we had, especially in 63, uh, we had uh, two or three shooters that started, and uh, you can sure shoot the ball, but everybody played their role. So uh, if you weren't exactly, if you took, if you took uh, somebody's place and they weren't necessarily a shooter, you did the, all the other things that was expected of you. So we... We right. never uh, was worried about putting any of our uh, people, uh, uh, backup players, in the game because we know they weren't going to hurt us. And uh, uh, you know, Rick, I think I think that has to do with the wonderful coaching that we had. I mean, you and I had Ed May out there at store, and he had been a, a county champion with Yorktown some places, and Ed just did a wonderful job. Matter of fact, it always brings back that memory. I I, I told Mister May I really want to play, and I know I'm far behind everybody. You know, what can you help me? He said, well, Marty, you haven't got good hands. And he said, the ball, when it hits there, it bounces one, so you lose your advantage. I said, what can you do for me? He said, well, I'm going to do two things. He said, I'm going to get you a spring grip that you'll have to work on, carry it in your coat pocket, you work on. And I said, I'm going to do something after practice. I'm going to line you up, and I'm going to line Rick Jones up, and we're going to get you all ready, and we'll have Rick throw us about 25 times after every practice. Well, good Lord, Rick, you eventually pitched in the Dodger organization, I think, didn't you? But anyway, you would I would he'd line me up, put you out about thirty feet, and have you throw that ball as hard as me. And Lord, if I didn't catch it, I was going through the wall. And so you know that guy, he he took me apart and helped me to put together the pieces that I need to become successful. And then we had Bob Heater as a JV coach. What a wonderful coach, you know. I mean, and Bob had a great you know, career himself. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, that situation was uh, you know a lot of people don't look at it this way, but we had uh, good cop, bad cop with uh, uh, Longfellow and Heater. You know, Heater was uh, that's right. He was the drill master, right. and then uh, when you when Longfellow said something, you would kill for him. Uh, yes, so that's, and what a gentleman. You know. And, of course, John was uh, from the, uh, uh, you know, the, the great uh, Indiana State uh, people, and, and John was a tremendous gentleman. And then we were lucky to get Ike, even though Ike was awful young his senior year when John became ill. Bobby here went to Muncie South. We had Ike Tomlin. God, Ike was a Rhodes Scholar and a and a wonderful person. He was very young, well, but we wanted to. Yeah, you, you know, well, you didn't argue with him. 
at six four nope. and about two sixty, you, you know, you you listened and uh, didn't talk back, so uh, that was very helpful. <laughs> oh, it was, but it was helpful throughout my life in coaching to have those wonderful people along the way, and I could always look back and realize things that we needed to do for kids based on what our high school, you know, experience was, and and the culmination of a, of a lot of work and everything. Uh, one in that state was fantastic. Uh, sadly enough, losing that 13th game uh, to South Bend, getting the chance to, to play them again in the finals was fantastic. Of course, you had an unbelievable game against a great backcourt for them, and Mike Warren and Ward. And, yeah, they weren't too bad. Eat a lot of, I ate a lot of leather, leather when they came down and played at our place. <laughs> at our place. Yeah, well, if you remember the night before we beat Anderson, that we thought that won the conference for us. And I think that's the only night I ever saw us. We weren't ready to play against them, and we paid the price. Well, we were so happy. And uh, the one thing he said to us uh, after the uh, season was over was that we were the first uh, team to win the conference and the state championship. uh, Oh, is that right? It's been done done since then, but we were the first. And uh, first one to do it. Uh, yeah, and, and you know when I when I think Rick about our four years, because still you kind of consider yourself in high school. You know uh, the, the people we got to to emulate or try to emulate Ron Bonham. And, you know, played for the Celtics and won two national championships. Jim Jim Davis, who was ten year All Pro at St. Louis. Uh, uh, Jimmy Nettles, who played in the greatest uh, Rose Bowl ever and played uh, professional football for years and years. John Danter. Yeah. Played for Bruce Hale, your coach down at uh, Miami, Florida, with Rick Barry. Yeah, I think Barry yeah, averaged forty, and he averaged twenty-seven. <laughs> you know, well, one, you well like? one year I was talking uh, last night. I, I was over to Phil House and watched uh, the Bearcats won their sectional, Marty and uh, Gerald Lank was there, and we got to talking about uh, uh, there could very well be f- uh, four or five more banners hanging up there because uh, in '61. Kokomo won, and they had only one loss, and that was to us. We went up there and beat them on their floor. And right. uh, then we got knocked out the same year uh, by Manuel in the Venars. In the, uh, oh, yeah. And then there's been a, then we ran into Greg Odom a couple of years. So, you know, uh, that's why you play the games and uh, look. Look, sure. it's sometimes with you and sometimes not, but that's why I love the game, you know. Uh, oh, nobody exactly. was going to yeah. tell us that we were going to lose it. They had to show us. For, exactly. th- for those of you who are just joining us, I'm Billy Powell, and we're talking with Marty Eichelbarger and Rick Jones on Indiana Talks. And before we go into break, guys, I would just like your thoughts and feelings of Hinkle Field House and the state championship and when you guys won it. What what were your thoughts? What were do you still have the same thoughts about it, or can you remember that smell of Hinkle Fieldhouse? Do you remember what you did afterwards? And I'll I'll, I'll start with uh, Coach Eichelbarger, and then uh, Rick, go ahead after uh, Coach. Okay, that'd be great. Are you going to take a break first, Billy? Uh, no, go ahead. I, I, we've got a okay. few minutes. I thought this okay. Would take well, that, I I got to tell you. I mean, of course, that's a dream for. For everyone, uh, having gone to the state finals before, uh, my first seats were at the very top level, top row of the whole thing. Rode up with some friends and and realizing uh, I, that, uh, it's awesome. It's awesome today to go into Hinkle Field House, and I'm so glad they've been able to continue to uh, you know keep that facility. But yes, it was a dream come true uh, to get out there and get a chance to play. We had two very tough opponents in, in uh, Lafayette, Jeff. And, and, of course, the South Bend team, we had an extremely tough game in the afternoon. I think we beat them one point. And, uh, and South Bend had a very easy game. And then we come in that night and all the marbles on the table. And Rick had a great game and, and our kids had a great game. And, and it's, it's, it's just all flashing in front of you, all coming together, why we stuck together, why we worked as hard as we did. You know, and you get that win and the pride level, the pride level of the community and everything, unbelievable. Going around the the circle, riding the fire trucks back in Muncie. I mean, you know, it is a dream. One team every year gets to do that, and it takes some luck, but it takes a whole lot of hard work and dedication on the coach's part, the kid's part, and we got to do that, and I'll never forgive it. 
Well, I'll, I'll tell you, my uh, my memories of Hinkle Fieldhouse go back a little farther than that. Uh, I told this story uh, a couple of times here recently because uh, the older you get, the more you reflect. You wonder how you got there, what you did, and and why right. you did it. And uh, but I was from Alexandria. I was born and raised there. I left there. Well, more as many as listening, I better say reared. But. Uh, I went from Alexandria to Red Key and then moved to Muncie in the ninth grade. And I was kind of reborn when I came to Muncie. And all these guys that I met through the basketball program and the athletic programs there, they really became my uh, first friends because you, I lost uh, my my dad uh, on uh, with a divorce and then we moved out of town and uh, my mom remarried a state trooper and uh, made my sister and I enter school under his name. We weren't adopted, but I was known as Rick Keesling and Ricky. So I got my life back when we moved to Muncie. I, I got to be a Jones again, and the, the guys that, that, that kind of took me under their wing, I'll never forget them because uh, uh, I was, didn't have any any real friends for uh Example, uh, when I got married, uh, I looked around and uh, would not have any close friends. I picked a, a kid that everybody liked at, uh, in our ninth grade year. His name was Larry Grow, and uh, we were, I was my first marriage was in '63 that summer, and I haven't seen Larry since. So, so that kind of mm-hmm. tells you how thin uh, my uh, friendships were, but. One thing we I got out of our team and those times that we had to play in is that uh, when you have a common goal, you know, they're, they're really, the rest of the world don't really count, and that's the way we all took it, you know. Uh, Mobile, Alabama, and Little Rock, Arkansas, and Meg Rivers, and uh, Martin Luther King, those were just names of faraway places and guys we didn't know. We were so tight as a team. Uh, we weren't in that. We just knew that if we played together and stuck together, that there wasn't anybody going to beat us. So uh, our practices were really tough, too. And the games were a piece of cake. We were in that <laughs> right. uh, we were uh, We knew we were confident because I knew there wasn't any, At the end of the game, the other guy was the one that's been over holding his pants, you know. That, we were well prepared, uh, weren't we, Rick? Yeah. Yes, we were. Yes, we were. Well, and, uh, but as far as, uh, as far as Hinkle Fieldhouse is, when I was in uh, uh, Alexandria, my grandfather, Alexandria, won the Anderson sectional a couple of times in the regionals uh, before class system was, was in Indianapolis. And two years in a row, they ran into Oscar Robinson. But I can remember the Hinkle Fieldhouse when they, uh, there was there was a reason for that floor being elevated because that used to be a track inside track. And uh, a lot of people don't know that. That's where Jesse Owens uh, uh, runs the 220 and won the national championship in there. And uh, But it always leaked. When it rained, it leaked around the corners and seeped down in the, around the floor, and they covered it with sawdust to cover up the mud. And, and I remember going down there to watch uh, Alec play addicts. I broke away from my grandpa and hit the, hit that sawdust and mud, and they had to take me about back to the emergency room to clean, clean me up where I could watch the ball game. <laughs> oh, gosh. Let's let's go ahead. We're gonna go. I'm gonna go ahead and take a break here, and then when we come back on the other side of the break, we're gonna go ahead and go into the over 400 victories, high school basketball victories of Coach Eichelbarger and where he coached and uh, uh, his. Uh, we're gonna break down his coaching career. Uh, this is Billy Powell on keeping the nostalgia alive on IndianaTalks.com. Success is defined in many ways. For someone with a disability, success can mean walking without assistance or hearing sound for the very first time. At Easter Seals Crossroads, we help Hoosiers with special needs reach goals that most of us take for granted. 
Visit CrossroadsCan.org to learn more about how you can help. Hello, I'm Stephen Terrell, host of Stephen Terrell Just Us. I have a statewide law practice at Terrell Law Office in Indianapolis. Throughout a person's life, there are times when you need to speak to a lawyer. You may be planning for the future for your spouse and your children if you are no longer around. Maybe you are getting ready to buy a house or lease property or enter into a transaction that involves contracts, covenants not to compete, liens, or other complex agreements. It may be that you are starting a new business or you need a revision to your employment manual or that you've become involved in a business dispute. Maybe you've been injured in an accident or someone has attempted to destroy your reputation through social media. In times like these, you need more than forms downloaded from the internet or purchased at the local business supply store. You need a lawyer in whom you feel confident, a lawyer you can trust with your problems and your confidences, and no downloaded form can provide that. If you find yourself in need of a lawyer, it would be my privilege to help you. I'm Stephen Terrell. Call me at Terrell Law Office, 317-856-8702. That's 317-856-8702. Or visit my website at HoosierLawyer.us. Thank you. This is Gary Snyder from The Gary Snyder Show, and I have a couple of important questions for you. Do you need some extra cash, and do you have any scrap metal laying around? If you answered yes to either question, which we know you did, after all, this is Indiana, then you need to give Clarks a call today, 260-356-8314. That's 260-356-8314. Clarks wants all of your scrap metal. Broken down appliances, old cars, computer parts, copper, aluminum, and even your old cell phones. If it's scrap and if it's metal, Clarks wants it and they will pay top dollar for it. Clarks is located at 100 Heightsfield Street in Huntington and they are open weekdays from 8 to 4.30 p.m. Or just give them a ring, 260 356 That's 260-356-8314. Clarks, they want all of your scrap metal. Keeping the Nostalgia Alive, Indiana Basketball Memories on indianatalks.com. I am with Coach Marty Eichelbarger, and we are discussing his career. And I also would like to invite any one of you out there, if you'd like to call in with your comments or would like to say hi to Coach, uh, you can call in at 260-355-5151. Okay, Coach, that was a, a fantastic first segment. Why don't we go into... Uh, once you graduated from Muncie Central and headed on over to Hanover, from what I understand, you went from twenty-nine and one to zero and twenty in your first year, and build this through, yeah, yeah and build this through uh, uh, getting out and actually getting into coaching. Uh, yeah, Billy, and it, it was a real uh, shock to me. You know, I chose Hanover College uh, when I visited. I, I met uh, RF Dutch Struck, the athletic director, and the man was just unbelievable. And uh, I just uh, struck up a relationship quickly. He's in the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame as a football and basketball coach, was a fantastic administrator, 
and I feel today that I had a 7 o'clock class all four years that I was there at Hanover, and with Mr. Strzok, you did not miss one. So he was a great educator, and I learned so much from him. Uh, my first three years there, the basketball program was uh, not up to par, and it was very, very tough. And, and actually, you don't like to say it, but uh, it's far removed, but I think I found out a lot of things uh, that were different about a winning program and a losing program. And I, I learned a lot of things that, that didn't make me feel good about coaching. And actually, I was ready to change my major to business, Bill, and, and uh, my senior year, uh, they changed coaches, and John Collier came in. I had seen John's high school teams play, and they were so great. And John came in, and my goodness, he rekindled everything. Uh, John stood for everything, uh, you know, that our coaches that I had had through the, the years in the winning program stood for. The fundamentals were unbelievable. The type of kids that he recruited were just super kids, uh, great athletes, great students. And actually, John only kept two of us from the previous Hanover team. L.J. Taylor was a great basketball coach and administrator, and myself. And I uh, added a number of freshmen, and that year, because of doing so many things right again and everything, we went 19-9 and nine and had a wonderful year, and Hanover's off to a great start. That rekindled everything. I mean, I understood the difference between the wrong way to approach a program and the right way, and I wanted to get out and put some great programs together where kids could excel. And that's how I got into it, and I was very lucky to get a chance to go back to Jennings County High School. Uh, it was the first year of Jennings County High School. is where I got to do my student teaching. Uh, for Dwight Graber, and uh, head coach Don Schrader offered me the assistant job there. That was school about 1600, and uh, we didn't have much uh, the first couple of years. We were building. That was a great building program, but uh, in four years, we brought it up to where we were number 10 in the state. We finished number 10. We were 21-3. and uh, We won the Seymour sectional. Uh, Barney Scott's great Seymour team. I think it was 92-89. Uh, and, and we had a team that averaged 92 points a game at that point. Uh, we are, I think that's still a state record. Uh, we had on that team uh, Danny Brown, who played for uh, Louisville, Danny, uh, Indiana All-Star. Danny averaged 27 a game. We had Billy Harmon, played for Louisville, uh, should have been an Indiana All-Star, averaged 23. And Bobby Woods, uh, who I found out in the country, we didn't have any height, and put him on a study table, got him eligible, and Bobby, in one year, hit 13 out of 15 in the sectional, his first sectional ever, and averaged 21 a game for us, and, and suddenly we were on the map there at Jennings County, and, and uh, it was just a fun building process, and it packed up everything I thought as, as we were building uh, that program. Then I got my first head coaching job. I was so lucky at, at uh, Switzerland County. I'm, I'm sorry, I said Switzerland County, at Southwestern High School, and uh, right away Dave Porter called me. Uh, he's a Hall of Famer. I just love his teams played just like his person. I, Dave called me. He said, you realize what kind of league you're in now? I said, what do you mean? He said, well, my gosh, uh, you know, he said George Marshall's been there and Ed Siegel's been there. He said uh, they love their basketball tradition and, and you're going to discontinue that. And I was so lucky there, and we did. We had wonderful years. We had some great kids. Uh, uh, those, we had 222 students, uh, Billy, and those kids wanted to play the best. We played Columbus North. We played Columbus East, Center Grove, Whiteland. Uh, we were actually favored in the Columbus North sectional one year, and that was the year before uh, North went to the state played Ligoti. Uh, we beat the number nine team in the state that lost to Richmond in the Salmon State at a seven-foot center. Uh, and, and our kids were a bunch of rural kids that wanted to take on the best. And, man, it was fun building that program. And uh, we had just so many wonderful people. I'll mention a few names. Vernon Neitenhauser and Brad McQueen were unbelievable. Vic Smith, Ron Hamilton, Jeff Lee, Jerry Palmer, and Roger Burke. These kids just didn't care how big a school was or anything. And they made their community so proud, and, and that got my coaching career off to a start. Now, the next place I, I think I turned up, uh, really, you and I love, and that's Burbuff, and that's where we really, you know, would have gotten to know each other. And uh, uh, Burbuff was a uh, was a, a blank uh, canvas, and, and and I went there because uh, my parents both came down with cancer, and we just had a child, and I needed to get closer to Muncie, and so this opened up. Well, I knew nothing about it. Uh, Mark Bixel, one of the great coaching uh, people, uh, told me about it, and I went up and talked to him. Well, I got hooked on the school, Billy. It was just fantastic. The people, it's a Jesuit high school. People were fantastic, and I thought, man, this is a place to build a program. It's, it's a Northwestern-type atmosphere. Uh, great kids, it seemed like. Sure, they're different than anything I've ever coached, but we can build a program here. If I can use all the fundamental things I learned in the great programs and with the great coaches that I had a chance to be under. And so we went there to Burbuff and 
And uh, I'll never forget a CYO guy called me at the beginning of uh, the Catholic Youth Organization thing, and they always have a big banquet at the beginning of the year. And he said, Mr. Eckler, I just wanted to be sure I called you and offered you an opportunity to speak if you want to. Now, you don't have to, certainly one thing and the other. Well, of course, you had Chittard and Cecina and Cathedral and Ron Colley and all the big ones and, and everything else there. And, and, and you know, Rebecca had just never been taken seriously. And I said, well, certainly I want to speak. And I, when I went out there and spoke, and I was talking about the wonderful education that kids could get there and how we were going to build a program. I noticed her about the tables was just talking. And one thing, we're paying one ounce for tension, Billy. <laughs> so I realized, we, you know, we had a real challenge. I mean, it wasn't, you know, and so you had to figure out how do you work in Indianapolis? How do you work when you can't recruit? How do you how do you get to be known? What can you do? And and we did. We we found ways to offer camps in the summer, uh, get the general information out, the way to uh, open have open gyms. At first, open gyms ain't apps. Nobody opened their gym. Nobody did. And Butler didn't open their gym. Nobody. And so all of a sudden, kids started coming in to play. And before we got done with that, uh, on the first court in the place, we had Indiana University and every college kid that was in back in town from school. Uh, you know, uh, the great Indiana players uh, came in there and play, played. And then on the second court, you had the greatest high school game you could ever imagine because there were high school kids in Indianapolis that wanted to play. And they came up and over in the other girls' gym, we had another great high school game. The Indiana alums started coming in, standing on the walls, watching their kids, Mike Woodson, uh, Chucky Barnett from Oklahoma, all these people playing. And all of a sudden, the word starts spreading around Indianapolis that rebuff things were happening and happening for basketball players. And Jeff Moe uh, came in out there and played. Uh, some of the cathedral kids came in. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, we were getting on the map. The, the two guys that, that I, I selected to start to build that program, uh, everything I knew, it, uh, getting to know them and everything, it was exactly uh, what we were looking for. And that was Jude Bill and Kevin Sumlin. They were sophomores. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, they weren't great athletes, they were great people, and that's what I was looking for to get that program started, and those two boys uh, stuck with it, became excellent basketball players, and we brought for about, I think, the first year we won five, and by the third year, I think we were 13 and seven, and on our way, and we had some huge wins in there, of course, being able to beat uh, Bill Smith and your Broad Ripple team right off the state championship, but that happened in the third year, and one thing and the other, and the program was you know, was was basically on its way, and those kids did that. Now, along the way, you know, we had to do some things that that maybe some people wouldn't understand at the time. I mean, you're going from a team that has never won. I told my athletic directors, and I had two great ones, Al Vickery's in the Girls Hall of Fame, North Central coaching, and uh, Dick uh, Elmore, and they just helped me so much. I said, we got to schedule people like the people. we got to beat to win the Marion County Tournament or the Ben Davis Sectional. So we went out, and a good friend of mine, Bill Sturman, from Columbus North, we played at Columbus every year, and in their tourney, played Columbus East. We played Bloomington South with Springer and uh, and Holmes down there. We played Anderson Highland with Bob Puller, and they had the Garys there. Anderson Highland, Connorsville, we scheduled Basil. Nobody played us at home, so we played these places, Muncie, Indiana. We went to Muncie and played Bill Harrell. And, and we knew that we had to play at those kind of people and learn how to get ourselves up on that level. And when you go to those gyms with those people, they don't lose, Billy. <laughs> well, you know, but our kids love it. They love the crowds. They love the, the thing. And so when we built that program, and when we came over the top, and we beat uh, Columbus just before the holidays, let's see, that was yeah, just before the holidays, uh, before the, uh, the Marion County Tournament. We beat Columbus down there, and they were number four, number five in the state. And, I mean, it was a fabulous battle. I knew we arrived, and wham, we were able to win two Marion County Tournaments and the Ben Davis sectional, and, and be right on the forefront of everything going on, you know, in uh, in Marion County. We had, we had so many really good players, uh, you know, there, and and that I just feel so so absolutely fortunate. Uh, of course, we had besides Bill and, Sl- and Sunland, Freddie Bowles uh, was great. Played at Kentucky State, got a trial with Pacers. Uh, Pete Adams played for us. Uh, walked in off the street from Hampton, um, New York, and, and played uh, for Valparaiso and IUPUI. Johnny Charleston, a fabulous. Uh, guard that came over uh, and played uh, at Wabash in North Carolina and T. Jeff Moe, my Jeff was a great leader for us and of course played at Iowa and Indiana All-Star. Daryl Glenn, Daryl came from Pike and played at Miami of Florida and IUP, uh, Rocky Saviano. Rocky came from Zionsville and played at Northwestern. Brian Buckler, Brian came from North Central and 
basically, you know, didn't make the team over there, came over and just worked his tail off and, and won. Two county attorneys, you know, played at Lincoln Trail. And so, you know, it was wonderful. But it was anchored by Bill and Sumlin and their commitment because we really had to grow a lot, mature a lot, one thing or the other. We introduced weights, but we didn't have a weight room, Billy. So we had <laughs> one uh, squat. We had one squat rack and, and uh, you know, we had, we had three things. We, we had a place where we did our, our cleans and, and uh uh, you know, and the kids had to go through it one by one, so they had to stay a long time after to do that. But they were absolutely dedicated and understood what we had to do to make a, a winner on, on what you would call, you know, in the toughest darn league you could have. Good Lord, the coaches that were there, Billy. I mean, it was like who's who in, in basketball. You know, you had, you had Kiefer and Siegel, and you had Morris Pollard, and Springer was down at Southport, Gail Tolles and Williot, Ben Davis. And my Every place you looked, it was, you know, you were going to play against a fabulous coach, a great, great team. They're so competitive. Bill Smith, they're abroad. We were going to have to beat those people. And uh, that's why we went out and scheduled the very best in the state that we could to prepare ourselves for that. And and the kids, they, they were just wonderful. It was so exciting. Well, the gym became too small. I know you enjoyed that. I'm sorry. Go ahead. The gym, the gym became too small, too. It, it would sell out, wouldn't it? Oh, it would, and we put uh, you know bleachers on the up on the stage and everything. But uh, you know, not many people came there to play anyway. But uh, it was fun. You know, it, it was just a great thing, and a lot of great kids had to work very hard in the classroom. They had to pay money to come there. You know, they had to take a very tough uh, test to get in the school. When I first went there, kids were afraid afraid to take it because so many people they had heard had failed. So we had a lot of things to overcome. But it was the ultimate, and it was great. And I only left there, Billy, and I, and I hated it because my sons were starting high school, and they were going to start in the Ben Davis district. And I just felt like that wasn't fair. My wife was teaching South. I'm there for Buff, and they were going to be in the Ben Davis school system. And, and I just thought, okay, I love this, but we can't, we just got to pull the reins in. We got to find a community. So so we moved on then, and, and, and I got the opportunity to move to Princeton. They had great schools, and, and at that point, four-star schools. Governor going down, I loved that. That fit what I liked. Uh, I was following a great one, Jim Jones, in there. Uh, Jim had had great success, but the program uh, was ready to cycle, and so we had to rebuild it and uh, found some great people there to to work with, and and was able, uh, you know, to really put a program together uh, with with some young people. And we had uh, Travis Trice, of course, and, and, and Travis played at Purdue, and Butler and was an Indiana All Star, and. and uh, you know, we had uh, John Lofton, D.B. Gooch. Uh, we just had so many good people. Uh, Rob Kirkhoff played at Marion College up there. Reggie McIntyre uh, went to junior college. Uh, Stephen David Ritchie. Just a lot of top-quality kids. One of the other things I always felt in all my coaching careers, I wanted kids to play the sports they wanted to play in high school. I, I did not care that they had to concentrate on basketball. The only thing I told them is if you're going to play football, don't stand around. You'll get killed. Get out there and get get involved. So that also helped us because we put our weight program in every school we went to together with football and anyone else that wanted to lift. We lifted religiously. In Marion County, that's what helped us get above some of those teams that had the great big people. One thing that we became you know, very confident from the strength that our kids built in the weight room. So, you know, we wanted our kids to play multiple sports if they wanted to. Uh, heck, I'd go and pick Reggie and, and Travis up after track meet. They'd run the last relay, they'd hop the fence, and they'd jump in the car, and I'd take them out to USI to play AAU basketball, you know, and they'd, they'd get out there and get that practice in. So they got to do the things that every high school kid wants to do. They still got to play their AAU. You know, we had the good lifting program for them, and they were willing to go through all that. It was just wonderful. So, uh, you know, the other thing, like D.B. Gooch, I couldn't, we already had two kids on the Evansville AU team, couldn't find a team, so I went back up to a great guy that I hooked up with, with the Brebeuf program, and he helped me so much, Red Taylor, Tom Taylor. Tom had the only AU team in Indiana for a long time. Jeff Moe was able to play with him and some of our other kids, and it was just a wonderful thing and just, just made them so much tougher. The competition at Red got them, too. And so I knew D.B. needed to play, so doggone it, I drove him all the way up to 11. By that time, for some reason, Tom was practicing up in Lebanon with Damon Bailey and, and those guys, and so I took uh, D.B. up there where he could play on that level with those kind of kids, and that's how we built that Princeton team, and we had to be good because I'm telling you, at that time, the South was tough. Damon was, was there. Uh, Walter McCarty was at, at Harrison. Uh, uh, David, uh, um, name at, at, 
at uh, Castle was tough. He was a 6'11 center, played at Boston College with Bill Curley. Uh, oh, Bossy had the leading scorer ever for uh, George Washington. I mean, the South was tough as nails. And, and uh, so we had to, you know, we had to provide a program for them that could bring our, our level up to that. And, and it wasn't it wasn't easy. But the kids were willing to travel. They were willing to work hard. They were willing to lift. They were willing to do other sports. And how can you, uh, how are you going to deny a kid that's done all those things? You know, they were very, very, very successful, you know. So, you know, and heck, I, uh, Walter McCarty, he was down there. Good Lord. I mean, it was a lively time in, in southern Indiana, and I absolutely loved it. Then I got a chance to move to my stomping ground back up to central Indiana, you know, to Frankfurt. And and that was a, a move that I, oh, I was as close to the North Central Conference as I could get. They, they were not in it anymore, but... You know that that was my stomping ground, and and that was a dream come true, and and we just were able to put together a, a wonderful uh, program there of kids that that had so much pride, and uh, you know I, I just can't get over how hard those kids worked for their community. We had great kids. Andy Foster played at uh, Indianapolis and was a big time scorer in the GLBC. Eric Wall played at Bellarmine. Uh, he was uh, the leading rebounder all time for Frank over a thousand rebounds. Uh, Travis Best, uh, Travis an Indiana All-Star, played for Louisville and Purdue. Uh, you know, we just uh, had so many, many great people there that that uh, I can't even name all of them. And, and uh, Frankfurt was so proud of their basketball, wonderful place to to, to uh, coach in, in Case Arena. And, of course, they had uh, Everett Case was from there and won the States, and, and, and John Melholland, the court's name for him. I mean, the tradition in Frankfurt was just unbelievable. And because of those kids, we were able to win, I think it was six sectionals. We were regional finalists twice. We, you know, we, uh, we were able to win six conference championships. And the thing is, it, the competition was, you know, second to none. I mean, you know, we lose to Noblesville, uh, you know, and, and they had the, the fabulous player there. We, we lose to Brownsburg there and they go to the final game before the, before the state tournament. Uh, the competition that we played, the Carmel teams, uh, and everything was fantastic, but our kids were really up to it, and, and we just had, you know, a wonderful experience. Again, trying to provide a complete program for those kids. Our kids in all of our programs will have the five-star camp. You know, if you're going to challenge a kid and you're really going to have him be successful and that kid's going to want to get to a very high level, then you've got to give him new challenges. We took our kids to the best camps, the best places we could have. And you got to have camps for kids that want to go to college. You've got to have camps for kids that are just high school players. I remember when Rick Patino took over down in Kentucky, we said, hey, let's take our normal kids, families that want to send their kid to a good camp down there because I know Rick Patino is going to put on the best camp it's humanly possible. Well, number one in the, in the country now, Florida, you know, Billy Donovan was his assistant. That's one of them, the Arizona mm-hmm. State coach. Uh, guy coached the Pacers, coached State, and he was one of the coaches. Down there. You know, and Patino played anybody that wanted to, one-on-one at 6 in the morning if you wanted to get up better. I mean, <laughs> you got to provide kids with the best camps, the best experiences if you want them to think big. And, and if you don't keep resetting goals for them, the kid's going to get bored, you know. So we had kids that wanted to do it and took advantage of it, and, and they're just wonderful kids, you know. So, I mean, gosh, we had... Kids, Eric Farley, and my son played at McHenry University in the Final Four in the NAI. Craig Carter, Chris Pickrell, Wheatley, Kingma. We are all these kids just gave everything they had for that community. So, you know, I was really, really thrilled with the opportunity. Bill, well, I have let you say a word. Oh, oh, that's, oh, no, no, no. That's this is what it's this is it's all this is what it's all about. I want I want I want to know it just like everybody else. And Rush McCauley also was he at Frankfurt? Rush is unbelievable. He was my point guard, and he was the brains of the whole thing. Yeah, you know, and yeah, and uh, absolutely. And we're going to talk about him tonight because really, I've only got a couple kids that have gone on into coaching. Now, I don't know what that means. That kind of worries me, Billy. That's the uh, one thing Rush, you know, is in is in coaching. I don't know whether they just looked at it and said, "Oh, geez, I don't want any of that" or what. But yeah, Rush and I love. We're going to state finals in a couple of weeks, as I was going to mention, but I don't have many kids out coaching. That's fine. They got kids and, and they're staying busy, and, I'm, and I think they're involved in the younger coaching areas in the, you know, in their communities and everything. I did finish up at, at Heritage Hills. Uh, came down here, thought this would be a good place to retire, and made the match. We had some great kids down here. Uh, it's a football school, uh, but we were able to win in six years four conference championships and two holiday tournaments. 
and were a regional finalist and actually attained the number one ranking in the state, finished in the top ten two years, had some great kids, and, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, you know, Dusty Neighbors, Mike Satterfield, and, uh, and Bryce Pond, and, and some people that uh, just gave us their life down here, and, and that was a great, you know, way to finish. And I've had so much fun, Billy, but the most fun was helping kids to find their potential, find their love of the game, and turn them on and provide the programs that were necessary for them to reach their goals, you know, and, you know, that that's what's critical. And being in schools where by letting the kids play football and one thing or the other, in three of the schools I was at, we went to the one game with the, uh, from the state finals uh, in football with our basketball kids, most of them playing. Now, that meant just we only got five days of prep for our first basketball game, but I don't care. You want kids to do what they can while they're in high school. They only get one chance to do it, you know. And obviously, they did everything well. So I've been very lucky, Billy. I have been so, so, so lucky. Uh, I, I agree with that. I mean, 452 victories. You had Jeff Moe, who was an Indiana All-Star in 84. You had Travis Trice, who was an Indiana All-Star in 90. And Travis Best in 97. And Brandon Crone, who you coached for a couple of years in 03. If a phone call was made today, uh, uh, hey, Coach Eichelbarger, would you come and coach our high school? Would you make a decision? Would you do that again? Would I coach? Oh, I see what you're saying, Billy. Well, actually, you know, I'm retiring this year from teaching. It's been 47 wonderful years. I've loved every minute of it. Uh, one of the things I got from those great people I worked for was you're a teacher first. You got 180 kids during the day that count on you for your classes, and I was a math teacher. And then you go and you give everything you got to your coaching. And I've loved every minute of 47 years of teaching, and I'm calling that quits this year. Uh, would I uh, entertain an opportunity to coach again? Yeah, because those fundamentals – those programs that are necessary and opportunities that are necessary for kids that are after, you know, I love it. And, uh, yeah, I would, you know, love to have an opportunity to do that. Uh, is it realistic? Uh, someone would have to make that decision. Do I still have the passion <laughs> and, and the fire to do it and, and the desire, you know, to give the kids the time they need? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it ever you know, is out of your system, you know. And, uh, of course, losing my wife, uh you know, really hurt, but I, you, you lean on those things that you love, and my kids and my teaching and my coaching are, are those things that I've kind of leaned on in her absence. Well, an open letter to the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame, I think, with you know, 452 victories, not very many people can do that in uh, Indiana high school basketball, and I think you definitely deserve to be in the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame, and when that date does come, I'd like to be there and uh, see you celebrate it, because you certainly deserve it. Well, I'll tell you, Billy, that's a, a you know, wonderful thing, but that's not why you coach, and one thing I'll never forget in my life, when we did get in the, the Hall of Fame class when I was at Frankfurt, and they have a, a uh, a picnic for the coaches and the, and the teams. And I went to that picnic and I was supposed to speak. And Billy, I stood up front and I looked out at those coaches and I knew so many of them and I'd listened to so many of them. And Billy, I froze. I couldn't hardly get a word out of my mouth. I was so in awe of those people that I was looking out there and getting a chance to, to speak to. Uh, just so many wonderful coaches have done so many wonderful things with kids and presented opportunities. And, and the hall, it, it is a wonderful thing. But you know, uh, whether or not I've had a wonderful career and just seeing my kids be successful in life and, and appreciate the, the things that we all got to do together, that's what it's all about. Absolutely awesome. Well, you have been listening to Keeping the Nostalgia Alive, Indiana Basketball Memories on IndianaTalks.com with Billy Powell. Uh, I appreciate you tuning in for the first show. Tune in next week. Uh, go to indianatalks.com and take a look and see what my next show is going to be about next Sunday evening, 9 to 10 Eastern time. Thank you once again and have a great evening.